welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Do alien abductees include military officers? Is the military trying to cover up Bigfoot as well as UFOs? How do we know it's the military actually doing the covering up? Hello and welcome to the 809th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those loaded questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, uh, and dad, Paul. Uh, And today we welcome back one of our favorite guests on a subject that might have more sides to it than we think. Uh, We welcome your calls today. The number is 401-766-1240. You can call that number from anywhere, or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Contact us via Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. Coming to us via Skype today is Mac Maloney, a prominent American novelist with a vast knowledge of the military, UFOs, the paranormal, and history. He has written more than 50 books, including military thrillers, men's action adventure, science fiction, and historical fiction. He created the long-running Wingman series with one million copies sold. He also authored the Chopper Ops series, the Superhawks, Pirate Hunters, Stormbird Strike Masters, War Heaven, the UFO series, and more, believe it or not. He has done novelizations for films, including Need for Speed, Jag, Cold Steel, as well as the Hercules and Zenish TV shows. He has also been a consultant to a company working for the U.S. government on anti-terrorist programs. A native of Boston, Mac was on the show just last week as part of a 13-member panel as we broadcast live from the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire. Mac and Ben hail from the same alma mater, Emerson College in Boston. So, Mac Maloney, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, it's great having you, and it's always nice to have a fellow Emersonian on the air with you because there are so few of us running around. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everyone's off running around in in L.A. and whatnot. So let's start with the basics. Uh, What do we mean by uh, military X-Files, and do those involve only UFO encounters by the military? Uh, Mostly UFO encounters, but not, you know, exclusively. We, um, you know, we talk on a show about... Uh, anything uh, that we consider paranormal um, that somehow the military is involved in. I mean, it's really as simple as that. Um, as we were saying, you know, last week at the at, on your show, the, um, yeah, the the history of UFOs in the United States is a military history. You know, I mean, we we kind of track the time back to when the flying saucers, the term was was coined in 1947. The military got involved. Uh, quickly after that, and they've been involved the whole time, you know, uh, sometimes admitting that they are, sometimes they're not. So, uh, but, you know, UFOs are our main focus, but we've done stories on, um, you know, uh, you know, Bigfoot and just different uh, kind of uh, paranormal stuff that the military may, you know, have been involved in or at least looked into. Uh, how, how far, we want to get to listener questions here, Mac, but uh, <clears throat> how far back... Do you know, including I suppose the ancient Egyptians or whatever? How far back does military involvement go with the UFOs, or at least military sightings? Well, we um, yeah, I did a book a while ago called UFOs in Wartime, and there's a story in that about how Alexander the Great, uh, which I think maybe be 300 BC or so, uh, was um, crossing a river to invade uh, India or someplace on the subcontinent, something around that. You're right. Yeah. Around there. Mm-hmm. And um, as the as he was uh, about to ford this river, you know, his uh, scribes who kind of followed along in the war caravan reported that um, uh, shields came, golden shields came out of the uh, sky 
and um, kind of um, dive bombed uh, his um, uh, his forces. Uh, you know, didn't, they didn't use any weapons. They were kind of buzzing them. That's the uh, word I was looking for. Buzzing them very low. Um, they, um, you know, once again said there were golden shields, and then some people, uh, some people report they saw arrows coming from them, large arrows. And anyway, that the noise and the commotion uh, was so intense that the um, the horses and also the elephants in his army refused to go across the river. So, uh, you know, there's one example of how UFOs had some kind of impact on, you know, what, what might have been a, a, a major military campaign in history. One of those dang Vimana, how bad? <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, that's, uh, that's amazing. Mac, let's uh, come uh, to the more recent times here, and we have a question from uh, Peter in, in Bogota, Colombia, uh, mm-hmm. who writes, uh, Ben, if you would. Can you please share the most interesting uh, military UFO encounters you have run across recently? Uh, well, um, it's it would be hard to beat the uh, the Tic Tac video um, that came out um, almost a year ago, and almost two years ago now. Um, this uh, I'm sure everyone in your audience have heard about, but basically it was a, a, a oh, videotape yeah. yeah. made by the Navy by Navy pilots back in 2004 um, of this thing that looks. People say it looks like a Tic Tac. You know, I don't really see that yet, but it was this something that was out there going very fast, kind of tumbling. Um, had some strange interactions with the with the surface of the ocean. They saw it off uh, the west coast, and then others same things was seen off the east coast. Um, you know, it, it's unusual for a number of reasons. Number one is that you're actually seeing your know, videotape of this thing that's shot from an F-18, and we say on the show all the time that military pilots, pilots in general, but military pilots especially are the best witnesses of UFOs because they've seen so many things up there in the sky in their careers that when they see something that you know, they've never seen before, <clears throat> that's a UFO, and the pilots are reacting to it uh, in that way. Um, also interesting is why did the Navy choose to, you know, kind of let this video out? I know they didn't release it you know, themselves, but, you know, they were certainly in on the process of, you know, getting this out there to the public. Uh, that's an interesting um, kind of um, aspect of this, you know, that maybe somewhere behind the scenes that the whole idea uh, of how our government, how military approach UFOs might be changing. Who knows? Um, you know, so it, it'd be hard to beat that. I mean, we get, uh, you know, uh, stories every once in a while how people in Afghanistan, soldiers in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, um, you know, saw uh, numbers of UFOs, you know, when things were really going hot and heavy over there. And they would a um, they would say that uh, the, the reason for it is, is that, you know, they have these very advanced night, vision goggles now and i guess you can see ufos really clearly and you see more of them with night vision so uh, but but just going back to the question the tic-tac video that'd be hard to beat well you know they're okay go ahead so a friend of mine um very close friend of mine i will not name names because he recently finished his tour of duty i say that very loosely because he worked in intelligence in uh, seattle and um he, I've, I've known him for a very long time. He's always been into the paranormal and whatnot, so I thought it was interesting that he ended up in intelligence. And I remember we would make jokes uh, whenever he'd come back on leave and be like, oh, tell us about the aliens. And he's like, guys, I can't say anything about it. Like, he's like, even if I know anything, like, you know, I can't say anything either way. So there's, I think it's interesting that there is sort of some, uh, uh, that you kind of mentioned a change in attitude about 
UFOs and and you know just extraterrestrial and paranormal phenomena in general. Do you mm-hmm. think it's it's because of a cultural change in attitude? Because I guess a recent study was like seventy five percent of people in the United States at least believe that there are extraterrestrials and something like forty seven percent believe that they're they're actually visiting us. Is that mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that kind of plays into it at all? Uh, I'll tell you, no, I don't think so. I don't think that the that the U.S. military especially cares about you know any cultural shifts in uh, American culture. I, I think that there has to be some other reason. Um, and um, I, I, if I can tell you a quick story, it, you know, I can give you more evidence to this. Sure. Um, we have a guy on our show on a more or less regular basis. His name is Agent X, but he works for a company that works for, um, well, his tagline is he works for an agency that works for the agencies. He's a, like a military contractor to the in- intelligence agencies. And so mm. um, he has some stories to tell, you know, real-life things that have happened to him. But uh, he told us one night that um, he was went down to Washington, just as a matter of course, the, the State Department put on puts on these workshops every year. And and what they do is they gather everyone together from the military, from the scientific uh, community, uh, from the State Department, the Treasury Department. They get all these people together and they put them in a room. This is for a weekend, and they give them a problem to work on. Now, usually, it's something like you know terrorists have taken over a cruise liner, that type of stuff, or you know a, a plane has landed JFK and it's being held by terrorists. How do you how do you fix it? You know, how would the State Department work on it? How would the scientific community handle it? You know, if they needed, how would the military look at it? So on. He's been going on these things for a few years. Uh, this two years ago, when he went, the question was, um, how would you react to? an extraterrestrial craft being found intact in the United States. And that's what they worked on the whole weekend. And they came up with a variety of um, uh, conclusions at the end of it. And um, some of the stuff he said was really kind of surprising to hear, but not some of it was just kind of matter of course. But just the fact that they would ask that question to that kind of a um, to that kind of a group, and you know, it, it, it's, it's not a classified operation, but it's certainly a confidential thing that these people get together. And that was their question. So, you know, maybe drip, 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 you know, they're preparing us to make some kind of an announcement. Yeah, actually, that kind of leads into another thing we were going to, we wanted to talk about today, which was disclosure, which is, which is always kind of a, a hot topic. I, I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, do, do you think that within within our lifetimes at least or like within the next like 10 15 years do you think there's some sort of timeline in place what do you think disclosure would look like mm-hmm. well if we're talking about you know government slash military disclosure um it, it'd be hard to put you know a, a, a time uh, on it um I, I do know this and and one thing that we never do on our show and I, I i got a feeling you guys don't do it on your shows we never talk politics ever right mm. but that said, um, of all the presidents that we have had in the past, you know, 40 years, let's say, uh, if, if there was one who, and, and I'll just be, you know, nice about this, if there was one who would have the hardest time keeping a secret, I think it's the president occupant, right? And he has, and, and, and that hasn't come out yet. So that tells me that, um, you know, if, if there is some kind of disclosure movement within the government, I don't think it goes to the White House. Um, and I think we will probably have to wait until this administration is over and then someone else gets in there. And, and I just get a feeling that it might be then. So two years or six years? Well, 
I, I don't know, Mac. I've been on pan, you know, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness here, but Ben and I have been on a lot of panels, uh, where this has come up. And everybody says, yeah, and everybody will, will pretty much say, uh, give it a timeline and, and speak uh, to it very articulately as you have. But then I'll say, show of hands, please, from the audience. Who believes what the government says? Everybody, everybody groans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just have, I don't know, maybe my, military experience was was too much or too little but it just seems to me that they don't care really what we think unless there is someone forcing an agenda on them that we would need to know about in order to comply and that's a very chilling prospect mm-hmm. the um i i think that to expect however to expect disclosure under any other circumstances would be naive uh, disclosure, uh, you know, assuming that it would be a full and or accurate presentation of what the government knows about UFOs and alien presence or alien life or whatever, uh, I just do not expect any sort of, of meaningful disclosure anytime soon, again, unless there is someone forcing an agenda, which is something I don't like to think about. But but that's me. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're very likely right. Yeah, I, I think forcing an agenda, that kind of an agenda on someone these days in Washington, that would leak out that that was happening. You know, you cannot keep yeah. any any secrets these days. You know, it, it was bad enough 20 years ago, bad enough 10 years ago. Th- these days, forget about it. Anything that happens, everybody knows it in 15 minutes, you know. But do so, they know it accurately? I mean, they're, they're, when at least even, even in the 80s, when, you know, and, and the 70s, as a matter of fact, when I was... You know, rubbing elbows with some intelligence training, uh, it was, um, you know, inaccurate information from accurate sources and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Keep everybody guessing. Everybody loves a mystery. And, uh, I mean, would, I mean, and there, you know, you want to have mysteries within mysteries and keep everybody guessing, sure. keep everybody looking the other way. Well, that, I think a major thing to kind of take into account here is as technology changes, we don't really change that much. So that's the way, true. the way humans behave, it hasn't really changed that much in the last like few millennia, so keeping secrets is is very much the same. It's just the technology around it has given us more things to kind of distract us. And I had a very long conversation um, with a very good friend of ours, Andy Kitt, uh, when we had dinner after the Exeter UFO Festival um, last weekend. Was it last weekend? Yes. Yeah, it was last yes. weekend. Jeez. <laughs> so we we um, we talked a lot about perception. And how effectively we all kind of determine what we see and what we don't. And I think that there's a lot more truth to that now. And, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have a lot of stuff to distract us from, you know, taking time, thinking about things, investigating stuff. Now we have, you know, smartphones and, you know, constantly being connected to everybody and everything and just everything, just like, you know, a constant flow of information. That not is, necessarily accurate information. Exactly. I mean, you know, everything you read on Wikipedia, you have to take with a grain of salt. Even if it's something that's like a known fact, it's like you, you never you never know. And, right. you know, we know less than, than 1% of what's actually going on in the world. And, you know, there's a whole segment of the population now that just doesn't even bother, you know, paying attention to major headlines. Yeah. Right. Well, let, let, let's get Mac's uh, opinion on this, Ben. Uh, Mac, uh, as you are, are certainly uh, aware more than maybe most people, uh, government agencies are very often in competition. Uh, the question arises, if disclosure of any kind comes, 
what agency would it come from? And uh, sometimes the agencies are at each other's throats. Even even the military services, maybe less so with the unified force concept that, that I saw come in in the 80s. But um, I mean, what, what's your take on where this information would come from and, and who's competing with whom? And where does the Navy stand in this? <laughs> and so you know what I'm getting at. Right. Uh, I mean, um, you you said my answer right there. It is very odd that of all the military, uh, you know, branches, that the Navy was behind uh, releasing the, the Tic Tac videos. Uh, the, the, the thing about the Navy is that um, during World War Two, and we all know, you know, the the story of the Foo Fighters and so on. Mm. Uh, most of the time, when people talk about the Foo Fighters, they kind of uh, focus in on the European war, us against us and the English against the Germans, and and a lot of Foo Fighters were seen during that time. But just as many Foo Fighters were seen in the Pacific, mm-hmm. um, and now the Pacific War was mostly a, a, a Navy war, and um, the Navy at the end of World War Two or after World War Two, I should say. You know, the Air Force did release, you know, let's say, um, intelligence documents that of people, you know, basically their um, eyewitness testimony to seeing Foo Fighters. And um, back then people thought that, you know, they were just, you know, lights in the sky, they were German weapons and so on and so forth. None of that came true. But at least the Air Force did do this. The Navy has never released its files on Foo Fighters ever and uh, uh, since World War II. And now to see the Navy suddenly, they're the ones behind this, um, that tells me, to, to answer your question, I think if any military service is going to come out and say, this is what we got, it will be the Navy. Yeah. Uh, the Navy is the number one t- service in this country. It's, it, was the, it was the first service. They get most of the money. Um, and, um, you know, they get the biggest toys, you know. So <laughs> um, I, I, I would think it would be the Navy. And the strange thing about it is I think people would believe the Navy. I think the Air Force has a credibility problem and has for years and years and years, you know. Um, but the Navy has just kind of been quiet about it all this time. And I think if they come out, if they're the ones that come out and say, we have this, we have that, it would be it, it, two things. You have to be sure two things uh, will have happened. Number one, that they have come up with some way to, you know, for want of a better word, defend against this. They will never come out and say, we don't know what the hell this is. You know, they won't do that. And, and, and number two, if, there's some way that um, it comes to our advantage to their advantage. Uh, my friend who went to this workshop talked about you know and recovering an alien craft. When the mil- when the you know when the scientists get up there, they ask questions like you know could it, one guy asked could you lick it? Could you touch it? What did it feel like? And so on. That's like the scientific looking point of view. The State Department said, well, you know, we'd draft press releases and the president would read this and so on. When the military come up, they said, you know, all we want to know is how can we weaponize it. That's yeah, what they do, exactly. you know, yeah. and and those questions would have to be answered. You know, is there some kind of counterforce against this thing, and is it going to work out for us? Meaning, you know, our our defense contractor is going to be able to, you know, extract something from this or learn something from it, and and and, and make it our own. You know, uh, if those two things don't happen, especially the military saying they can't defend us about against something that you know we don't know what it is, uh, you know, that's a big mountain to climb. I don't think they would ever do that. Well, I'd also like to know how much the Ferrero Corporation paid somebody to, for the Tic Tac reference. You know, everybody <laughs> uses the Tic Tac reference. Couldn't buy that kind yeah. of advertising, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, so, uh, in any case, uh, w- let's uh, take a question from uh, Phil, uh, our faithful listener in Orange, Massachusetts. 
Alrighty, and Phil writes to us. Um, I would like your guest to comment on the reports of UFO confrontations of military witnesses to uh, reports of confrontations of military witnesses to UFO events with men in black, or at least civilians whose identities and presence in secure facilities is never explained. Uh, some of those so-called debriefings go on for hours and hours. The officers who provide space for these interrogations are always described as unfailingly accommodating to the men in black. Uh, I find it infuriating that the military won't cop to their uh, complicity, complicity in these psychological torture sessions. What do you say? Hmm. Wow. Well, um, I, I can tell you know another story that I know is true, and maybe this will answer partly uh, that question, if not all of it. Um, a family member of mine was in the uh, Air Force in the early 70s down in Charleston, South Carolina, at an air base down there. And he was a uh, Air Force mechanic. He was a crew chief. And it used to get so hot down there that they used to work at night. They used to work on the airplanes out on the, out on the tarmac at night. And that's what he was doing. He and four other guys were working on an F-4 Phantom. And um, now I know this individual. He's a close relative, and he is not someone who, uh, he, let's say, gets excited too easily or whatever. Um, but he said uh, that uh, this light came down right on top of them, about 100 feet above them. Um, the glow was, uh, and, and there was a glow coming down on the airplane. They all went underneath the airplane. Uh, like to kind of take cover and, and I remember him saying, he says, you know, the, this thing was like bright as like, you know, flash bulbs or something that bright. And then it took off. So he says, the biggest mistake I made in my Air Force career was that we reported this because what they did was they took the five of them and they put them in separate rooms, uh, at the base and people would come in, just like you say, they were unfailingly pleasant and, and, uh, you know, not confrontational at all. And just ask them the same questions over and over and over. What did you see? What did he see? What did he say he saw? And that kind of stuff. And after three days of this, uh, my relative figured out, okay, this is what they're trying to do here. So the next day, they all signed an affidavit saying that what they saw was a reentry vehicle from Cape Canaveral. And that was the end of it. Uh, you know, they didn't torture them. They treated them nice. You know, it was basically like in a barracks room. You know, they were fed, had TV, whatever. Uh, but uh, psychologically, they just wanted to get out of there. And, and they and they had learned their lesson, you know, um, subtly. Don't report these things or, you know, you're going to be locked up and bored for, you know, a week or so. Um, that's how I know they do it. Um, does that answer the question? Well, we could only rely on Phil to provide that. Okay. Right. I okay. mean, it, you know, it was, it's a complex question, a complex issue, a complex mm-hmm. answer. But uh, I think right. it was more more um, asking asking about if the men in black are involved with mm. the military in some some way, shape, or form. Mm. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Men in black. I don't know. You know, I mean, when you hear stories about men in black, you know, do they even exist? Because you hear stories about how they show up at three in the morning, um, you know, uh, at someone's house who had just had a U- recent UFO sighting, and they ask them all these strange questions and so on. Uh, okay, that could be some kind of government, you know, investigator. But why would these guys show up in, you know, in wardrobes from the fifties? Okay, for one thing, and they and they don't know, you know, the language, and they look that like they're from somewhere else, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. This is not really good undercover work. You know what I mean? This, yeah, these people no. are, are, you know, why, why would they do that? Why would they do that? You know, um, so. You know, men in black, uh, I mean, I like the idea, and you saw when we were at Exeter, we dressed like the men in black sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, the guys on the radio show, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. Do they really exist? 
Yeah, know. that's well put, I think, Mac. It's, it's a real question. Things often will become urban legends and take on lives of their own. And I've talked to people who have, and I'm sure you have too, who have witnessed things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were down in um, Point Ple- in uh, actually Parkersburg, West Virginia, we talked to some Mothman. Ben was like, what were you, like 10? Yeah, I was like uh, 9 or 10. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked to some <laughs> witnesses from the Mothman period who said people had come to their houses in Air Force uniforms and the insignia were in the wrong place because their dads mm-hmm. were veterans that recognized all this kind of thing. So, but, you know, who really knows? We're going to take our bottom of the hour break right now and we'll um, be back with some, another question from a listener uh, with our, our great guest, uh, Mac Maloney. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Bain Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Gerald Albright. And I'm Dave Koz, and I hope you'll tune in this weekend, because saxophonist Gerald Albright will be joining me here in our studios. Lots of fun to be had. Remember, visit DaveKoz.com and be here this weekend for the Dave Koz Radio Show. Hi, fans of smooth jazz. The Dave Koz Radio Show can only be heard on ON, AM, and FM every Sunday, twice on Sundays, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., and again, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. The Dave Koz Radio Show is brought to you by the Carew Investment Group. It's the Dave Koz Radio Show, and it's right here on ONAM and FM. Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Uh, we remind you that uh, our uh, FM signal has changed here at WON from 99.3 to 99.5 a few weeks ago. It's more powerful, and uh, it sounds really great on my uh, my truck radio, but it's nice well, stereo. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, hearing outside in stereo can be a bit jarring. I really like that tagline, too. Local and live at 99.5. Love that. Yeah. Leave it to our great station manager to think of that. Anyway, let's uh, let's get back to our wonderful guest, Mac Maloney, a dear friend and uh, amazing writer, uh, military historian historian and UFO researcher in that, in that vein. Uh, we have a, a question, uh, another question from Peter in Bogota, Colombia, and if um, Ben, you'd be so uh, kind to read it. Sure. Peter, uh, the ever-questioning man, writes to us, <laughs> uh, do you have any interesting info on the Hudson Valley UFOs uh, and cases of alien abduction of military officers? Um, let's see, I'll ask, I'll Answer the second question first. Um, we have not found any instances where a military officer has reported being abducted by aliens. Okay, now there might be some stories out there. I don't know. But um, we were going to do a, 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 at one point, we were thinking of doing a study on, you know, what are the professions of people uh, who are abducted? What are they? I mean, we were thinking military officers. Have any military officers ever been abducted and talked about it? Police officers, things like that. I've never heard of uh, any story at all of a military officer being abducted by aliens. Um, you know, and talking about. It. Have you guys ever heard of that? Uh, I I have yes, uh, but again, it's secondhand. Sometimes by enlisted personnel uh, at places like Pease Air Force Base, uh, with which you mm-hmm. and I are both familiar, and. Yep. Uh, where the, the dear old 509th ended up uh, after they left Roswell, strangely right. enough, sure. they came to New Hampshire. Uh, there have been, uh, but nothing, I've, I've not had anyone come to me, and I don't know about Ben, I've come to me with any uh, first-hand experience uh, of having been abducted. Uh, there have been reports of, 
little graves seen by people's beds in their barracks rooms, things like this. But I mean, again, nothing I can, you know, nothing that has any solid evidence to it that I right. can see. Right. I feel like something like Rendell, like you know, whatever, like the fallout of Rendlesham Forest would probably happen. Where you know if 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 something like that did happen, that it would basically just be kept under lock and key, hushed up, like you know. Yeah, I mean, our probably orders, wouldn't get too far. <laughs> yeah, and I was in the Coast Guard. Our orders were, you know, if we were, because I was out on deck a lot. I was doing a lot of photography stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, if we were to see anything, it went right up the chain of command. You never heard about it again. Right, true. You yep. know, that sort of yep. thing. So, That's how it uh, works. You know, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. That's it. Um, okay, I'll, yeah, go ahead, the, Mac. Oh, I was just going to say with the Hudson Valley uh, sightings. Uh, what's interesting is that I was living up in uh, Albany, New York when this was going on in, um, 1982 was really like the big year of it. Mm. And, um, you know, people in that area of, uh, it's the Hudson Valley and it's about an hour north of New York City or so. And we're seeing these e- enormous boomerang shaped, uh, objects, uh, with, uh, multicolored lights on them. Um, some people said these things were the size of an aircraft carrier. One person said it was a flying city. Another person said it was at least three football fields long. So these were gigantic craft that lots of people saw. Uh, there's the, uh, as you guys know, you know, the New York Thruway goes right up along the Hudson River and also the Taconic Parkway. Mm. And people were stopping alongside of the road and looking at these gigantic, whatever they were, going overhead. Um, and and uh, sometimes they would stop, sometimes they would hover, Sometimes they would like kind of turn on their wings. Sometimes they would just disappear very quickly, which was so unusual for such a large uh, object. They were uh, seen uh, hovering over the Indian Point uh, nuclear plant, which is right in that area. Um, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, who was a UFO enthusiast, he lived in that area. He was on Saturday Night Live at the time, or at least you know living close by. He, um, uh, you know, he saw one of these things. Um, so. Um, uh, but no one ever figured out what they were. But 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 it, and they just kind of faded away a, a couple of years later. Uh, but people would would still see them on a regular basis over the, you know the two or three year period. The interesting thing is, and we've talked about this on the show a lot, is that people have this idea that UFOs try to hide from us. You know that they're that they're sneaky about you know where they are and when we see them. A lot of times when we see them, it seems like it's almost an accident. Well, you look at this. It, there's, there's no way that if these are UFOs, if these are extraterrestrials, whatever they were, they were not trying to hide. Uh, it, it, it's it reported that, um, estimated that uh, more than 5,000 people saw these things. All the same thing, uh, generally speaking, the same description over those two years in that part of the country. So, um, you know, uh, something was there. Lots of people saw it. UFOs not trying to hide from us, and I think uh, the you know, extra special bonus is that, that these airplane, these these UFOs were so big. I mean, when people say it's the size of an aircraft carrier or a flying city, you know, I, I got to kind of believe that's what they're seeing. Yes, I'm always intrigued by because uh, it is very difficult to tell from the ground without instrumentation, you know, the altitude of something. But the, I'm always intrigued by the standards of size in this country being football fields, aircraft carriers, mm-hmm. and the state of Rhode Island. The stuff we understand, right? Yes, so. exactly. So uh, be that as it may, uh, I'm just I'm still a little bit bothered by the question that we have touched on uh, before we move on to something else, uh, and that is um, the idea, the, the assumptions. That even people who send in questions, I'm not talking with the exception of our, of our very astute questioners, uh, usually today and then most other times on this show, that people have assumptions, uh, such as 
the UFOs would, the UFO knots, if they are really aliens from other planets, or wherever they're from, or whenever they're from, would consider us equals uh, to the point where they would want to talk to us. And mm-hmm. Stanton Friedman, uh, as, as you know, uh, his, his the favorite quote I, I have of Stan's is that, you know, uh, why they 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 would come here and they would see that we are a primitive species whose primary activity is tribal warfare. Why would they want to talk to us? You know, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that there's something to that. There may be other agendas. Uh, that no. moves into the, to the point we brought up before: that, that is there an agenda forcing disclosure to the point where where the top population would comply? In other words, you know, put down your guns or we'll destroy you, or pick up your guns or we'll destroy you. Know, that, that's you know, I mean, who knows? And who knows what the motivations would be of any alien force out there, uh, or from within even that would. Um, be uh, equivalent to human uh, emotion. We, we got into our Exeter program, I guess, uh, last week. Uh, the, the issue came up about that, and uh, you know, what commonalities would we have with an alien species? Well, it's preservation. Well, maybe we might not even have that if this multiverse thing is true, because death might be, as we said, a sort of a, a minor inconvenience. So maybe even oh, preservation well. wouldn't necessarily. So I mean, mm-hmm. we're dealing with something we know absolutely nothing about. Right. And that, that we think we do, which can be dangerous. But do you have any evidence, uh, or because we we have some testimony from people we know who say that that there is something going on that is much much bigger than the human race, and that wants us to comply with something, whether positive or negative. And we go to our back to our parasite theory, mm. but we're just a cattle race. You know, the parasites right. being the, 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 uh, getting into another realm of, uh, folklore calling them demons and other labels we can yes. understand. I mean, what are your comments on that, on that subject before we leave it? Well, you know, um, I, I went to a lecture a long time ago by, uh, uh Isaac Asimov, the mm. great sci-fi writer, and someone asked him, what's your, you know, besides like the car, what's in the airplane, what's your favorite invention? He said the lightning rod. He says, because before, uh, they invented the lightning rod. Everyone was convinced that lightning, you know, was coming from the finger of God. And, you know, and if you got hit by lightning, you know, if your house got hit by lightning, you were like doomed forever. You know, you would, you were treated as an outcast and so on and so forth. And then they found out what it was. It kind of, um, you know, uh, de-demonized it, let's say. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we, the people before the lightning rod had no idea, you know, but they had, they had plenty of theories what lightning might be. <clears throat> When we find out, you know, we are we are kind of at the, that point. It, it it it's almost now that it it would almost be too cliche for it to be extraterrestrials. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it there's a good chance that if we we've talked before that they're they're from another time. They could be time tourists from our own existence. You know, thousands of years in the future, coming back and seeing history being made. They could be interdimensional. They could you know be just stepping over from the next universe over that kind of stuff we we don't know you know we can't understand it just as when people go on safari and they go out in the out in the svelte in in those uh, trucks and they watch you know the lions eat the antelopes and stuff like that you know, they, the lion has no idea what what a truck is what a tourist is what a camera is but they just go about their daily business you know while this is going on, I think that's the same with UFOs. I think they're, I think they're everywhere. I think they're looking in on us, but you know, they're just, we just go on and on, you know, because we cannot understand exactly what they are. That was likely an answer as any other. 
Okay, let's let's uh, kind of broaden the subject here, Ben, if we were prepared to do that. Uh, we could try our best, I suppose. Yes. Uh, in researching our 2017 book on cryptids, uh, I was in touch with uh, an old friend who was a part of the uh, uh, Washington, the state of Washington National Guard. And according to him and one other source I had, after the Mount St. Helens explosion of, uh, I believe that was 1981, uh, there was a... Um, there were a bunch of dead Bigfoot lying around, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the the, uh, the military came in and took the bodies to research them, and uh, because they uh, wanted to hush that up just as much as they do UFOs because of research into the processes involved and where does Bigfoot go, where does Bigfoot come from, and sort of embracing the entire paranormal. You know, because that, just as Max said. Uh, wouldn't we love to uh, militarize the principles behind these physical phenomena? You know, where do they go? Where do they come from? How do you appear to shapeshift? Can you manipulate space and time in the face of an enemy? Things like this. What say you on that, Mac? Is it just UFOs that, that somebody wants to cover up, or is it other areas of the paranormal or all of it? Yeah, see, you know, it, it, I mean, it's a good question. We've talked about this before, you know, is there a um, unified field theory of the paranormal? Is there is there something out there that tells us that everything, ghosts, uh, UFOs, um, you know, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, that it's all part of the same thing, which would be, hey, you know, as you say, it's as good a theory as anything, and there's a lot of kind of evidence out there um, to something along those lines. What what I what always is kind of the sticking point for me would be, you know, if if the military knew, you know, let's say what that Bigfoot exists, okay, what what is their motivation for not telling us? You know, I I, I don't understand. I mean, in in the same with UFOs, um, I don't think the military know what UFOs. Are. I don't think anyone knows what they are, but they know they exist. But let's say, you know, this theory that bounces around. You know, they know they're just not telling us. I, I, I don't understand why that would be their tactic, you know. Um, maybe the same with, with, with Bigfoot. But on the other hand, let's face it, if someone saw a bunch of dead Bigfoots laying around after Mount St. Helens, who are you going to call? You're going to call the military to come and clean that up, you know. Mm. Well, our, our our opinion, for what it's worth, is that uh, the reason these things are being covered up is because, you know, if the, if our narrow three-dimensional or maybe four-dimensional physical paradigm is correct, then we could pretty much accept aliens and everything, you know, to, to a point. I don't think people have any trouble with that. But if the multiverse thing is true and, you're, you know, your greatest fears, your greatest nightmares, your greatest what are right next to you all the time, then that would be impossible to accept for a lot of people and society might break down. And if the processes involved in these UFO phenomena or Bigfoot or whatever paranormal phenomena uh, match that paradigm, I think that would be trouble for authority and for society and things of this kind. That's our personal... Nobody mm-hmm. else seems to be saying that, but that that's our two cents. Mm-hmm. So for what it's worth, I don't know. Right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, my only question is who makes that decision, you know? Yeah. That, that's, it's it's, it's not the president of the United States because, you know, he changes at least once every eight years. And, and this would be, you know, some kind of knowledge that had been floating around for a long time. Yeah, so, continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? You know? Yeah. I know. Well, that's the thing. Uh, okay. Well, well let's, uh, let's, uh, move on to uh, a subject that I think is very important. Uh, before, before we chew up the hour, tell us about your website, your books, where people can find out more. Well, the website is uh, macmaloney.com. 
And, um, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, uh, you know, by profession. Uh, but we also do Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. Um, we're now a podcast on uh, Podbeam. And um, we do, uh, the show is carried by a number of uh, internet stations around the world, uh, including Armed Forces Radio. Hmm. And, um, you know, we, we, as we were talking earlier, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, mostly how the military is connected to UFOs and, uh, you know, the paranormal. Um, and we have a good time doing it. So um, those are the two main things that I'm, uh, you know, doing these days. Oh, very good. Well, you certainly do a good job at it because we hear about you everywhere. Um, oh, boy. So uh, nuclear facilities, Mac, uh, there are, there's a lot of, as a matter of fact, there was a, then I'm having a senior moment, what was that, what's that series that's on right now? There were, oh, no, Ancient Aliens is talking about. Oh, yeah. Nuclear. And the only reason I, I saw that was because uh, your mother is very uh, into Ancient Aliens, which I find rather disconcerting lately. She never cared about any of this. Uh, but uh, 38 years of marriage, I guess um, I'm a bad influence on her. But yeah. <laughs> oh boy! And, yes. Anyway, yeah. So uh, there was a thing about nuclear facilities, and they had uh, all our old buddies on Chuck Hall and people like that from mm. Rendlesham, and talking about this sort of thing. What well, What are your findings on why aliens, if that's what they are, you know, or whoever it is, is interested in nuclear facilities? Why some missiles, uh, in, in particular, have been deactivated? I mean, the answer to that is obvious, but maybe not as obvious as mm-hmm. you think. Or in some cases, and I've never gotten an answer to this in all these years on this show, why some missiles appear to have been retargeted mm-hmm. from time to time. What, what, what do you have to say about all that? Right. Um, once again, just going back to my book, UFOs from what time we did a, um, we did a chapter on uh, UFOs over nuclear facilities. There's a place in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. I believe it's called Hannaford, uh, nuclear station. It was the first place where there was a uh, nuclear reactor here in the United States. It provided the plutonium for the uh, two A-bombs dropped yeah. uh, on Japan. And shortly after that, UFOs started showing up over this place. Um, you know, now this is even pre-Flying Saucer era. And um, it got to the point where uh, they, the publicity, the press officer at this place just stopped issuing press releases every time one of these things showed up and, and the government kind of clamped down on it. So, But they definitely had this kind of interest in it. And then you flash forward to the 60s and the 70s uh, for many years. Uh, there were these instances where UFOs would show up over ICBM bases that we have in the middle part of the country and um, it, to the point where they would haunt uh, those are the words that they use, haunt some of these um, facilities. Uh, there's uh, one in Whiteman Air Force Base in, in Missouri, and, and people have to realize that you know, these things are silos out in the middle. Of, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and there's like 50, 60 miles between some of them. And a lot of them run uh, automatically, uh, but some do have people in them. And, and, you know, they have witnesses of UFOs coming down, as you said, Paul, changing the targeting on it, you know, switching off the power, at some point switching off, you know, up to one-third of our whole nuclear deterrent in a night. Uh, you know, crazy things. The military, you know, obviously was involved, and in any reports they called them um, um, mystery helicopters or unknown helicopters or something like that, but they certainly were in helicopters. It's happened in Russia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's a good storyline. It's a good plot line if the idea is um, if you want to think that these aliens are looking in on us and that they are warning us that we know you have nuclear weapons and, you know, if you if you try to use them, we might step in. Yeah, that, that's reassuring in, in a way, certainly, although powering them up isn't 
So as far as a, a very another very basic question that really has never been answered uh, that we can see is what are UFOs? I mean, the, the general, um, the, 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 I don't know if you saw the video we showed when we were uh, in Pennsylvania. We, we got this video that MUFON really was raving about, at least Mark D'Antonio was. Uh, yes. And uh, of a thing that, that doesn't quite look like a craft. Uh, except for the thing near it. And uh, the question is, you know, are, are we dealing with craft uh, in all cases? Are we dealing with that in some cases? Are we dealing with, you know, nuts and bolts? Are we dealing with living creatures, you know, plasma-based life forms, as Carl Sagan mm-hmm. had speculated about, uh, atmospheric creatures, um, you know, w- you know d- wormholes, mm-hmm. intersect point. I mean, w- what would you say about, you know, the identity of UFOs uh, in a, in a general or, or specific sense. Mm-hmm. Well, only because you know when the word UFO or flying saucers came into our vernacular in the in, in the late forties when with Kenneth Arnold sighting, it, it you know it's kind of strange because they were they were automatically kind of linked to being from outer space. Um, of course, the U.S. government when they kind of looked into what was going on, they they were afraid that these were red Chinese or Russian secret weapons that are suddenly flying over the United States, you know. That uh, that wasn't happening, but this whole idea that they're from outer space um, has just always stuck to them all, all this time. But as you just read off the list, it could be anything. It, it could be time travelers, interdimensional, interuniversal. It could be from some kind of part of, you know, this universe, uh, the physics of this universe that we just don't understand. In black holes. What's on the other side of a black hole? You know, um, I mean, you know, just write them all down and toss them up in the air, and whatever comes down first, that's it. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, we 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 don't know. You know, we don't know. We we're, we're as dumb as the lion. You know, not knowing what a truck is or what a truck engine or a camera is. It's in his existence, but he can't understand it. He's he doesn't have the intelligence of that. Who's to say that you know human beings that that we're we're the top rung of the intelligence ladder there's you know the way things go in nature there's probably several a number of steps above us that we just can't understand and and ufos could be one of them yeah exactly and again the question is just you know I, I literally wake up nights thinking about this is you know what do they intend to do with us or to us or for us if anything <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, are we really a cattle race? And you know, when you work with negative paranormal phenomena as as we do, and as I have said for fifty years, almost, you, you've got uh, these questions that arise. You know, the people say, um, "Well, you have theological training, therefore all aliens must be demons." In your mind, I said, "No, I, I think perhaps all demons are aliens." You know, because mm-hmm. when I've encountered these things, they they, they fit the definition of alien. Far more than they do of demon, although they fit that pretty well too. You know, mm-hmm. there are absolutely other so- sorts of things that are just utterly non-human and care- could care less about us. I don't right. know, but that's that's me again. So, um, tell us once more what what you're working on, Mac, as we uh, wind down the show here. Um, well, um, there's a uh, I have a book coming out on Tuesday uh, uh-huh. called Wingman 19: The Odessa Raid, and this is the the 19th uh, edition of this uh, long. Uh, running series that I've been doing, Wingman, about a, um, a Zen, Zen fighter pilot. And then um, in uh, December, a new series coming out called Cold Name Starman, and uh, who's, he's a Navy uh, investigator who has just a little bit of VSP. Mm-hmm. Excellent. 
Well, Mac, uh, we got a lot of announcements, so we're going to have to kind of cut it off here. But it's okay. always such a great pleasure and honor to have you with us, and you're a great friend. Hey, and we'll talk you. to you very soon. Okay, guys, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank yeah, you. Thanks Bye. for being on with us. Okay, see you later. All right, very good. Okay, we got a lot of things to get to here, so uh, <clears throat> let's, um, I guess, start with, I guess, my new book that just came out, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeist, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, is now in stores. It is available at our fall events. Uh, the official release event will take place with our good friends at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire, on Saturday, September 21st, beginning at 2 p.m. And many thanks to the Exeter Kiwanis Club, organizers of the annual Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire, assisted by Mike Stevens of Granite Sky Services. Uh, last week's event in Exeter raised over how much money? Uh, well, uh, we I didn't get the final word on that yet. I guess they're still counting. Well, we'll, we'll tell you next yeah. week. <laughs> well, it was over $3,000 last year Oh wow! for local children. It was just, just terrific. Indeed. So yeah, so it's so we'll, we'll find a final total and uh, stay tuned for that next. Yeah, week. Yeah, we'll let you know about that next week. So uh, this coming Saturday, September fourteenth, uh, I'll be at the Book Lovers Gourmet, fifty-five East Main Street, Webster, Massachusetts, right here in our listening area, for a presentation and signing of my for my new book, uh, Dancing Past the Graveyard, that I just mentioned. That'll be uh, from one to three p.m. Uh, call five zero eight nine four nine six two three two for information. Uh, Deb Horn over there is going to be the host and uh it, it's just a lovely place you can go in and, and book lovers gourmet means you can sit down read a book and have some really nice baked goods really great coffee things of that kind so it, it's a lot really really fun place mm. and so please come by if you can 1 to 3 p.m next saturday and the following Thursday, September 19th, my dad will be at the Cumberland Public Library, that's 1464 Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island, for a presentation and book signing for Dancing Past the Graveyard, uh, starting at 6.30 p.m. You can call 401-333-2552 for more information. And Ben, you you are always invited to make cameos of these things, but uh, th- this particular, the next one you're going to be a co-author on, but this particular one uh, was just my byline, which gave me a chance to dedicate the book to you. Well, so. I mean, just because you dedicated it to me doesn't mean I can't sign it. Absolutely. The, the yeah, dedic- you've already been asked to do dedic- so a couple of times. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah, that's right. Is, that's not a word. A dedic- dedicate. Never mind. That's not a word. All right, we, we, we get it. All right. Uh, two days later, <clears throat> that's going to be on Saturday, September 28th, the official release party for Dancing Past the Graveyard will take place with our good friends. At, uh, just, I already mentioned this, Toadstool Bookstore. Well, you can say it again. <laughs> yeah, that'll be on the 28th. So that's going to be at 2 p.m., and you can call 603-352-8815 for information or visit their website, which I don't happen to have written down here, but it's a Toadstool Bookshop. It's big in southern New Hampshire, and there are three uh, branches of this it's it's really we have huge crowd last time we were there it was great um, and uh, there are lots of other events after that but especially the greater new england ufo conference slated for columbus day weekend that's october 4th to 5th uh, at the city hall in lemonster massachusetts uh, along with ourselves speakers will include calvin parker eyewitness to the pascagoula ufo incident of 1973 and anyways um has been having a few health problems <clears throat> he's an elderly gentleman he might appear by skype rather than in person but he will be there uh hopefully one way or the other uh roxy zwicker uh william who's going to give the, the keynote uh william j hall J- uh, jimmy pedanito alexander petikoff dave mccullough dave mccullough <coughs> ronnie leblanc michael mitchell cheryl costa uh, Mike Stevens and Dennis Stone, a lot of people you've heard on this show, will be speakers. And again, a Friday night, the Friday section of the event will be Bigfoot night. And there are a lot of 
tie-ins between Bigfoot and UFO. So we're speaking both Friday night and on Saturday, as we did last year. <clears throat> you can get our books, including Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Have Never Heard Of. Uh, and now, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God... In case uh, there's not enough alliteration for you, uh, mm. they're available from online retailers and in some stores. Uh, for autographed copies, please visit our online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, and actually, we um, were looking for a word for the deity that began with P, but we were unable to find one, in, at least in, in this language. So, <clears throat> so so much for the alliteration on that. Yeah. Um, also at BehindTheParanormal.com, we'll give you an update on the status of that site. Uh, ever since we tried to upload, uh, and we, we were successful to a degree, still photos of the UFO sighting we had in May, uh, there has been nothing but constant cyber attacks on that site. Now, uh, you, you can go to the site. It's there. Uh, there's security on it. You're not going to get infected by anything. Uh, but it's just that we have uh, serious trouble uploading material to it. We have found a workaround to that so that we will be updating the show site. But most of the recorded shows are not on the show in the show archives right now. Uh, the workaround to that is that we have been posting them steadily uh, and gradually. We have about 560 shows uh, going back to 2011 uh, uploaded at the major podcast sites, iTunes, uh, YouTube, uh, that sort of thing, um, Stitcher, and some of the, a lot of them I've never even heard of, the Paranormal Radio app where some of you may be listening to the show live right now. And uh, that, that's all available, um, I believe, free, and j- just go to any of the major sites. Uh, if you go to the archive page at BehindTheParanormal.com, there is a direct link to our podcast list and page uh, at uh, the Paranormal Radio app uh, from TalkStream Live, and you can listen to them. So, so there are ways to listen to the shows. This one will be posted as soon as possible. And certainly uh, the the, uh, the site where you want to come to watch uh, the videos of, of the shows, the TV feeds of the shows, uh, is uh, onworldwide.com, uh, our station website for here at WON, and that is um, has a, a TV on ON TV on demand link that will take you to all the shows. But we're in there once a week, and you can uh, see the video from from that. And uh, a lot of people prefer to do that if you have a device where you can see that. So that's the latest update on <clears throat> the website issues. Uh, we are getting uh, back on our feet. Eventually, we'll plan to have all the shows back to 2008 uh, uploaded to the uh, podcast sites. And there are several links to uh, charities we have adopted on the show, including usacares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and um, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. So, Ben, what do we have for next week? So, next week, uh, we will bring you the strange tale of the Macintosh Stone uh, with Michigan-based author and broadcaster uh, Ron Rademacher. And we'll leave you this afternoon with a rather cute thought from American actress Joan Rivers. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is God's gift. That's why we call it the Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.